Former Peloton CEO John Foley is launching his charm offensive. I've just been ushered into the Manhattan office of his new startup, the rug company Ernesta, when Foley appears with a crinkled smile, summer tan, tight-fitting navy polo, and firm handshake. For an erstwhile billionaire forced to exit the company he built amid a shareholder revolt in a sea of negative press, the 52-year-old seems remarkably upbeat, as if he has somehow bottled the sunshine of his teenage years, when his family lived in Florida, on Instagram, he's at Key Largo John. As we sit down, a picture-perfect August day unfolding outside a bank of windows, he insists that he's been a big rug guy for years. I love this category, I love design, I love architecture, he says. His favorite book, he tells me, is The Fountainhead, which famously features an architect. It feels like interior design has been overlooked by a lot of innovative technology and operations. The plan here is to build a great company, Foley says. He's doing it alongside some of his closest confidants and former Peloton top brass. His Ernesta co-founders are Hisao Kushi, who serves as chief legal officer, and CTO Yanni Fung, both of whom co-founded Peloton with Foley. But his dream is decidedly narrower than it was a decade ago, when he conceived of Peloton as a triathlete and made allusions to fitness classes as a replacement for religious services. For one thing, he's done with the public markets. I don't trust them to value a company properly, he says. After growing Ernesta, he's more likely to sell to private equity than take the company public. The more we talk, the more it becomes clear that Ernesta, to a large degree, exists by necessity. Foley says he is, pretty beat up, financially. That is, for a guy with a West Village townhouse full of custom rugs. I needed to start all over again, he tells me. He hasn't put any money into Ernesta. My investors didn't require me to do that. They knew that effectively I didn't have the money. He still owns a significant stake in Peloton, undervalued though it may be. The stock now trades at about $7 a share. But he's not dwelling on it. What happens to that stock price and my share of it? Your guess is as good as mine, he says. I just feel like I have to create value for Ernesta shareholders, including myself. That's the only thing I can control. So, he's focused on manifesting Ernesta's bright future, bringing his custom-cut rugs to the kinds of people who once sought out his stationary bikes. After all, Foley now likes to quip, every room has a floor. Ernesta's brand and product teams are reviewing images from several recent photo shoots. It's early August, one month before the company's debut, and the footage will soon be featured in a television ad and, crucially, on Ernesta's relaunched website. The idea is for the site to display images of real homes, with before and after shots designed to underscore Ernesta's value. To succeed, the company will have to convince homeowners that standard rug sizes are inferior and that a custom rug elevates a room, as I hear team members regularly say. Head of product design Jason Powers, wearing a baseball cap that says Internet, shares an early mock-up of the new mobile homepage. At the top, a woman sits on a cream-colored Ernesta rug as dappled sunlight warms the scene. Farther down, the page outlines the Ernesta difference and encourages visitors to book a design consultation or add rug samples to their cart. Ernesta charges $50 for a set of five samples, which it then deducts from the total price. You're one tap away from getting educated around everything we're all about, Powers says as he finishes scrolling. With interior design, Foley sees a rare opportunity, a category in which consumer interest is elevated, thanks to a decade of shows like Fixer Upper on HGTV, but investment in technology and innovation has been low. Plus, 
the price points are relatively high. At Ernesta, during beta testing, the average rug sold for around $2,000, though prices start at $250. That allows us to have a payback on our CAC, customer acquisition costs, immediately, says Foley. It doesn't hurt that Ernesta is effectively arbitraging the price difference between carpet and rugs. It buys product in carpet form, then cuts the rolls and finishes the edges, known in the business as a surge, to create its custom rugs. You think a carpet is one thing and a rug is a different thing, says Foley. But the underlying construction is the same. The raw material for Ernesta, he explains, is effectively big rolls of carpet that were cutting and surging and selling as rugs. Ernesta's manufacturing hack also explains its simple rug styles. There are stripes, herringbone, and plaid, but nothing that would require a border or a size-dependent layout. Also notable, at launch, 85% of its styles are available elsewhere as carpets. The company plans to introduce original designs as it gathers customer feedback and data. Already, it has a handful of novel styles. Still, the performance of home furnishing startups has been mixed, at best. The Inside, a custom upholstery company, was acquired by design consultancy Heavenly last year for an undisclosed amount after being valued at $12.65 million following its 2020 seed round. Custom Framing Service Framebridge, which raised $83 million in venture backing, was valued by its acquirer at just $91 million in 2020, according to SEC filings. Giants like Restoration Hardware still dominate the industry, and venture investors wrote checks to direct-to-consumer home furnishing startups worth only $178 million in 2022, according to PitchBook. Foley describes himself as a big student of Amazon, and has looked to the retail giant for antidotes to the operational overreach that Peloton experienced. Ernesta, he says, will follow a hybrid fulfillment model. Sometimes we're going to cut and surge and fabricate and fulfill ourselves from our Georgia warehouse facility. Sometimes our third-party manufacturing partners will take the stock carpet, cut it themselves, surge it, and ship it in Ernesta packaging to you, he says. The structure, he hopes, will give Ernesta the flexibility to optimize its systems over time. If there is one thing Foley is not expecting, it's a tidal wave of orders to come in on launch day. We're not dealing with an impulse purchase, he says. We're not going to show you a television ad tonight, and you're going to run to your computer and buy a rug. He paints the picture of a more complicated conversion funnel. Reviewing samples, talking with a spouse, talking with a design friend, taking measurements. Six weeks later, pick a timeline, you're going to buy a rug. That's a reality of this category that we're going to have to plan for. When he's not reading fiction, Foley studies business books. He knows Jack Welch's tenets of leadership as outlined in Winning, for example. Number 8. Leaders Celebrate. He brings this up when asked about the holiday party that he and his wife, Jill Foley, hosted for 400 guests at the Plaza Hotel in 2021. The invitees included star Peloton instructors. Many of them posted photos of the event on Instagram, where they have large followings. Seeing Peloton's celebrity class strut their stuff in sequence just a month after the company had announced a hiring freeze, and after it had scrapped plans for its company-wide holiday party, did not endear fully to Peloton's 14,000 rank and file employees, as he later acknowledged in an internal email published by the New York Post. A shadow passes over Foley's face as he recalls the fallout. Holiday parties, he explains, had been an important part of Peloton's culture. In 2020, the pandemic prevented one from taking place. In 2021, 
Peloton's president and CFO nixed the event, concerned about the company's runaway expenses. Things were starting to get tough, Foley says. At the same time, he felt, this was our moment, with demand through the moon. I said screw it, I will have my own party, and I will pay for it, he says. And I did, and I am proud of it, because I was happy to toast them. Or at least, the couple hundred people who were invited. The coverage that followed still irks him. It was this really weird thing where it was covered that I was a jerk, you know. It was, he says, completely unfair. In retrospect, the party was a brief distraction from Peloton's increasingly acute financial trouble. After trading as high as $91 in fall 2021, Peloton's stock was worth $27 by the end of 2022. In February 2022, activist investor Blackwell's Capital published a research report recommending that Peloton's board put the company up for sale and alleging that it had been grossly mismanaged. Blackwell's called for Foley to be fired, using many of his own statements as ammunition against him, and also insinuated that Jill, a former lawyer who had built Peloton's apparel business from scratch and served as vice president, was a beneficiary of nepotism. The following month, Jill left. God, Jill. Got screwed coming out of Peloton, says Foley. She's taking a break and trying to make up for lost time with the kids. His own departure took place six months later. It was hard, he says. I see it as a silver lining with my kids, for them to see me work hard and to not grow up with a silver spoon in their mouth. Foley says he doesn't have regrets about how he managed Peloton. I don't look back much. I mean, my crime, I guess, would be having trouble predicting demand coming out of COVID-19 and understanding when COVID-19 was going to end. I think that's a pretty heavy lift for anybody. He seems more comfortable applying the lessons of Peloton to his new venture than he does ruminating on them. Was it so wrong, he wonders, to have conviction that Peloton could be one of the greats? We were investing because we believed in the company, he says. Being super vertically integrated and as ambitious as we were kinda bit us. He pauses, his jaw tighter. I'm a big boy, I understand. I don't know. Sometimes I understand, sometimes I'm frustrated. But the clouds don't linger for long. Foley is moving too fast, and there are too many floors sitting bare.